So we're just about a week away from the 2020-22 NFL Draft. Like one week or nine days, I believe. Going to be a super exciting time. Obviously, we just got word that Debo Samuel's likely on his way out from San Francisco. So we're not going to break down whether or not the Bears should trade for him. But just a heads up, Incarcerated Bob, who's gotten some stuff right in the past, did mention Debo Samuel could be a player that does end up on the Bears is the Bears could be a player for Debo Samuels. We had Justin Fields back at Hallis Hall today. Listen to him speak for the first time since Matt Eberflus and Brian Poles was brought into Chicago. There's a whole lot going down. Joe's out sick this week. What's up? You know what, guys? You know it's the Fireside Bears podcast as I continue to ramble here because I just had dinner. It's me, Usaid Poshul, my co-host, Sam Stevenson. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow myself on Twitter at Usaid Koshul. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Shy Sports Sam. Sorry for the super rumbly intro. This is actually the first of three shows I'm doing tonight. So, yeah. Recording 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and then same schedule on Thursday, a 7, an 8, and a 9. We're pretty loaded here with the draft, and the week of the uh, draft is already super duper packed with shows here live stream here 10 minute podcast appearance there all that kind of stuff how you doing though sam what's on your hoodie by the way is that spider-man on a nike logo yeah i just got this uh custom made uh i was i got my tax return a little while ago and i put most of it away in savings and this was my my purchase to just spend money and be dumb uh i really like this hoodie though but uh other than that, I am good. Uh, I'm starting to get like mock draft fatigue a little bit, not because I don't think the stu- the content that's been coming out from the community has necessarily been bad, but I'm more just kind of at the point where like I want it to be next week. I, I want it to be Chicago Bears on the clock. And, and I-, I think there is a general level that's a little higher in terms of excitement than last year. Just because it doesn't feel as predictable. I I think that's something we've talked about before on the show. We really truly don't know what this new regime is going to do. And I think that's exciting. And I think it leaves a lot on the table to talk about and discuss. And so that's kind of why we're here this week. And uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about tonight. So let's get into it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But let's get right into, I think, the biggest question of all, which is, How exactly are the Bears draft plans impacted by Justin Fields? Because this is one of those questions where you could argue and give a basic and generic answer and say, okay, well, you know what? The Bears need an offensive lineman. They need a wide receiver. All that stuff is totally and 110% valid. But I also think that when you have that quarterback, especially a quarterback on a rookie contract, there's a certain level of flexibility that you have. Now, I just said this on YouTube with Max Smith. I've said it here all offseason. I've said it on other podcasts too. But when you go and you trade a player like a Khalil Mack, you better have a damn good plan in place. And Ryan Poles needs to do that. I'm not someone who's going to... I'm a journalist, so I'm not going to sit here and talk about how I feel as if Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are homer and hires for the Bears. Time's going to tell. They need to build around Justin. And I think really Justin's impacted because... In a positive way, there's new reinforcements that are going to define his tenure in Chicago that are going to be coming to the Bears in another week here. But I also think he's negatively impacted because anytime you have that young rookie quarterback, you want to have that first round pick. And you know what? Unfortunately, the Bears don't have that first round pick. You know, they are not in a position this 
season or this draft, I should say, to be able to land a top tier offensive tackle prospect, you know, and I'm talking or a top tier wide receiver prospect. And I'm talking legitimately when I say top tier, I mean, I think blue chip, you know, these guys like a Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, they're all great players. They're going to have great NFL careers, but you have to wonder knowing how the first round could shake out. Are the bears really a team that, is going to be in the running for one of those guys. So overall, I just think that Justin's impacted in both a positive way and a negative way. You know, the Bears may not be able to get their hands on a blue chip player, but ultimately, I think when you look at it, the reality is is that there's still some good talent to be found in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the advantage the Bears have is is with that second second round pick you have some options and you have some flexibility of, as to what, what you kind of can do. And, and by no means can the bears, you know, the bears are absolutely capable of, of drafting solid long-term pieces at 39, 48, should they stay there? Kind of more specifically talking about Justin Fields, that there's a lot of unknown uh, are, you know, I, I truly do think that both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are pretty committed to Justin Fields. I think they've, vocally uh, communicated that to Bears media. And I think that's a positive thing, but it's a weird spot to be in. You, you know, there's, it's not that it's uncommon, but it's, it's been pretty rare for a regime to draft a quarterback and to then bring in an entirely new regime in that quarterback's second year of its rookie deal. Because when you think about a blueprint to success in the NFL, you know, what is ultimately a Super Bowl quote unquote window, a lot of that falls into a rookie quarterback's contract. You're able to build around him, spend money in other assets, other you know investments, building talent on the offense, building a, a Super Bowl caliber defense, and doing all of that before you have to pay your quarterback a second contract because quarterback market is, is crazy. We've seen guys like Patrick Mahomes get half a billion dollars. We've seen guys like Josh Allen get paid a bunch of guaranteed money, uh, Dak Prescott, and I know there's going to be a lot of other quarterbacks lining up for that next contract, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, et cetera, et cetera. So it's weird because when I think about the Bears draft plans, I do truly think this is a draft where quantity is a little bit more of a priority than quality, but you have some huge roster question marks that you have to fulfill. You need a wide receiver one. Uh, You really just need a wide receiver in general. The wide receiver room of the Bears isn't very inspiring. The offensive line is, I think, a big question mark right now. Um, And I think there's some pieces on the defense that need to be addressed, including the secondary. Can the Bears do that with the current draft selection that they have? And and can that plan help Justin Fields develop in his second year? Because the, the goal and the hope should be that Justin Fields takes a similar career kind of step in arc to players like Joe Burrow, for example. I'm not saying Joe Justin Fields is going to have the exact same results that Joe Burrow had in his second year, but you're hoping that he can produce similar to that because I'm hopeful that Justin Fields is truly the guy. Rookie season left me wanting more, but I also don't think it was all necessarily his fault. So kind of to wrap up my sort of long-winded answer here, every decision the Bears make in this draft impacts Justin Fields directly because the hope is that you're building around him. And if the Bears take decision, make decisions and do moves that don't seem like that's the case, then he's clearly not in the long-term plans. But I think he is, and it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they prioritize early. And I mean, long story short, get this kid some help.
You're muted. Okay, I'm unmuted now, so we are good. I thought I hit the unmute button, but yeah, I don't know if you saw as I watched the NBA playoffs here. Go Bulls as well as go Brooklyn Nets, by the way. But anyways, and the 76ers. Those are like the three teams I'm rooting for. But I know for a fact you were able to kind of check out the Connor Orr article that dropped this past weekend. And Everyone, I feel like, was set ablaze because no one really agreed with Connor's take. But I also think that looking at Connor, he was kind of talking about how, hey, look, if Justin Fields doesn't view Iberfus and Poles as the two guys to get the best out of him, then ultimately at the end of the day, Justin's allowed to go ahead and ask for a trade or force his way out of Chicago. And he's got one of the best agents in football, David Mulugeta, who represents a lot of top-tier names, okay? such as Deshaun Watson, for example. But I also think that what Connor was saying fits into the context of your point, too, specifically because the article dropped four days ago on April 15th. And you can't sit here right now and look me in the eye and tell me that the Bears roster is better this season going into 2022 than it was compared to last year at this exact same time. Like, you just can't do that because, again, it's like you mentioned, there are so many needs. So how the Bears plan to build around Justin Fields in the draft is such a legitimate question because we have to be honest with ourselves. Like, the Bears' best signing might just be a veteran interior offensive lineman in Lucas Patrick, okay? Obviously, there's players like an Equinemius St. Brown who are brought in for depth, high upside signings like a Justin Jones, Nick Morrow, Byron Pringle, who could possibly develop into long-term contributors for their team. But these guys got the short contracts that they got specifically because that's what the franchise really valued them at. For the Bears, this is, I think, a classic case of how do we build around fields and set him up in a position to succeed? So I think that what Connor was arguing, which a lot of people took out of context, because the problem with people in this day and age is they're just stupid and they don't want to read the headlines and the actual article. They're just willing to go ahead and read the headlines. So, you know what? I would argue this is that Connor wasn't entirely right. He wasn't entirely wrong either. But ultimately, I think that, yeah, the Bears have a lot of work to do. And there is a legitimate question of has this team done enough to where Justin can take that second year leap? Because just like you mentioned, anything and everything revolves around Justin. Yeah, the only other really thing I'll, I'll add is it does revolve around Justin Fields, but it also revolves around new head coach, Matt Eberflus. It also revolves around new offense coordinator, Luke Getze. There's a lot of moves and decisions the Bears need to make that benefit the franchise as a whole. Um, and I truly think it's tough because the Bears are just not working with a lot, which is why the Khalil Mack trade helps a little bit. Um Hang on one second. I'm just getting a quick tech message, um, and I'm back. The, the really the only other thing I'll I'll add to this is, I think when you think about the the Ryan Pace era, he was pretty predictable in sense that okay, we struggle with the tight end room. We're gonna bring in a lot of tight ends and prioritize tight end early in the draft. Okay, it's clear Mitch Trubisky wasn't the guy. We're gonna trade up and get Justin Fields. Like like he was very predictable. With polls, because there's so many needs at so many positions, but not a need at quarterback, Justin Fields is impacted by the Bears' draft plans because the Bears can help him. The Bears don't have to look 
for a long-term quarterback right now. They have that quarterback in Justin Fields, which helps, I think, Ryan Poles a little bit because his priority is, okay, I need to fix this offense. I need to bring in some talent on the defense. I need to find depth at certain positions. I need to find my wide receiver one potential. I need to find an interior offensive lineman. I need to maybe find a left tackle, whatever the case may be. But having a quarterback in place, I think, makes the draft a lot easier for the Bears. Not very easy, but easy-ish. And I think Justin Fields is impacted by that because I think there's a general belief in him, and that's a really, really good thing. Um, and, And it's exciting. It's tough to not have that first round pick. Again, you mentioned names like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, you know, Jahan Dotson. But yet again, there's going to be guys in the second and third round who can just be equally as productive, if not even better. I, I would argue that there's some second round receivers that tend to do better than first round receivers. You, you know, you, who knows who's going to be the next DK Metcalf or even the next Elijah Moore. So it's an exciting time, and I and I am really excited to see what the Bears do because it is going to kind of all fall into Justin Fields' hands and what he does in year two. Yeah, it really does. I think getting away from this concept of Justin Fields here because we've discussed it for the last ten to fifteen minutes. You know, you have to shift the topic to what if the Bears opt to trade back because those three picks, 39, 48, 71, are without a doubt the most valuable for the Bears, and so. Ryan Poles, we know for a fact, wants to go ahead and get some more draft capital. I think there's a fair question, right? Who are some teams Ryan Poles should be on the phone with? And I'm going to kick this off by saying a team that's got 10 picks in the 2022 NFL draft that really wants some additional flexibility as well. I would say the Philadelphia Eagles are one of the main teams to keep an eye on. The Bears are not going to be a player for any of the Eagles two first-round picks. But you look at that second round, the Eagles are picking at 51st overall, and they have two third-round picks at 83 and 101. And then a fourth-rounder as well as two, three fifth-rounders, actually. So the Eagles are a team specifically because of the Ian Cunningham connection. I would not be surprised to see the Bears make a trade. I also think that Howie Roseman, the general manager there, goes ahead and loves to be aggressive when moving up and down the draft board. He's not going to use all 10 picks. So... Philly's one of those teams to keep an eye on. Another team that I think would be interesting would be the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Seattle's draft picks have been complete toss-ups all year long. But, you know, they've got, I think, five or six... Six or seven... Five, six or seven total picks right around in that window. And so the Bears are not going to trade back with Seattle at 40 or 41. But certainly I could see the Bears moving back from 48th overall to grab the Seahawks 72nd overall pick in round two, just in an effort to go ahead and gain some draft capital in rounds three and four as well. And I think that for the Bears, they could go ahead and have a second round pick, two third rounders, a fourth rounder and two fifths, which could really go a long way in terms of building out this team through the draft. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 a very deep draft, a lot of positions. I, I think more and more teams should trade down this year. I, I do think the Bears are in a really good position to do so. I, I like the teams that you mentioned. I'll, I'll throw in two that you didn't name. Uh, the first one being the Baltimore Ravens. I believe the Baltimore Ravens have four fourth-round picks, and, and I know for a fact that they're not going to stick around with all those draft picks. I, I think the Ravens are going to be a little aggressive. They have the draft capital to be aggressive. Um, you know, they're in a weird spot right now in that division where I still think they could probably make the playoffs and even potentially win that division. A lot of that, I think, rides in Lamar Jackson. But 
they're in a spot where they could absolutely be moving up. And I think the Bears have some enticing second round picks. They could even get one fourth round pick or, or maybe two fourth round picks from the Ravens. I think they're a really, really ideal trade partner. Um, another team that I think we need to talk about a little bit is the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I know there was a mock draft that had the Bears trading back with the Falcons a few weeks ago. I don't remember whose it was exactly, so I can't give them credit. Um, but I, I like the idea of the Falcons because you obviously have the Ryan Pace connection, um, which isn't the only reason. But, you know, I, I think Ryan Pace has signed some former Bears players of his or at least had some say in signing former Bears players of his to Atlanta. Um, but the biggest thing is I think Atlanta's going to be looking for a quarterback in the second round. Um, I would be really shocked if they took one in the first with the eighth overall pick. If I'm them, I'm taking Garrett Wilson or Drake London, whichever receiver is there at eight, um, because I just truly think that wide receiver room is a mess for them right now. Um, fun fact, it has former Chicago Bear Demir Bird, who had one of the best catches of the year last year, if we all remember that, in a not very important win for the Bears. But regardless of that, I truly think the uh, Falcons are going to be in a spot to probably potentially try to get somebody like a Desmond Ritter, a Sam Howell. And, and I think ultimately they're going to have to move up to do so if they want to get a quarterback in the second round. Pick number 39 looks really enticing, and I think the Bears could get an absolute haul in return if they wanted to trade back. I think Atlanta's got some good picks. I think the Bears could maybe try to get a, a 2023 third or fourth round pick that could be really nice. Because ultimately, Marcus Mariota is not the long-term plan in Atlanta. At, at least he shouldn't be. And I truly think the Falcons are going to make a move at quarterback. And if they are going to make a move in the second round, the Bears are in a really, really nice spot at 39. So those are two other teams that I would probably throw into the mix. Uh, again, Baltimore for the draft capital, Atlanta for the quarterback desperation. Because again, like I mentioned earlier, because the Bears don't have to worry about quarterback this year, it's going to be very interesting to see how this quarterback class shapes out and where guys end up. Yeah, Atlanta's such an interesting team. I would also go ahead and say that possibly the Washington Commanders are a team to keep an eye on. I know that the Indianapolis Colts love to kind of move up and down the draft board sometimes, kind of match evaluation with evaluation as Ryan Poles terms it, get the biggest bang for their buck per se. Um, so Washington, Indianapolis, two other teams to keep an eye on. But when you look, right... 39 is, like I've said all offseason, the Bears' most valuable asset. And quite frankly, it's the one pick where the Bears are going to need to do some serious wheeling and dealing to really set themselves up on days two and three. And you could argue, yeah, 48 could be just as valuable depending on how the draft board falls. So, But also, if you're Chicago, you have to stake more on 39 than you do on 48. Now, over the last couple weeks, there has been a lot of talk regarding prospects the Bears are going to be bringing in. I mean, we know that the Bears are obsessed with wide receivers. We know that because the, they have Traylon Burks in for a visit, we know Bears fans certainly love their wide receivers too. Seems like the video of the wide receiver breakdown that we did on the YouTube channel for Fireside Bears got over a thousand something views. But I think one name to keep an eye on that a lot of people are not giving enough love would be interior offensive lineman Cole Strange from Chattanooga. I mean, he's about six foot six, 310 pounds. So he started 44 games during his college career. You know what? Has 41 starts at left guard, two starts at left tackle, and one start at center. So you certainly see the versatility there. But what are your thoughts on 
Cole Strange, who's just 24 years old, a player that I don't think a lot of fans are talking enough about. I love Cole Strange to the Bears. I think it's a great fit. I think it's an ideal fit. Um, and I think he's a guy you could probably get in the third round, or maybe you tra- maybe if you trade back in the second, you take him late in the second. Um, I love the versatility he brings. Uh, mostly played guard in college, but has worked at center. So that that's nice. I, I think the Bears have their their guy at Lucas Patrick at center. But again, there's nothing wrong with with finding a guy in the draft who could play both positions. Um, you know. You kind of mentioned it. He, he's got a really nice frame, strong. Uh, he had a really, really good senior bowl. I think that's when he started kind of popping up, at least for me, uh, as someone to keep an eye on for the Bears. Um, had a really, really good NFL combine. Um, I think he's going to fit really nicely in, in what the Bears are hoping to do with the run game because uh, I do really think this offense is going to really emphasize running schemes. Um, national athlete, good player. Um, he's a smart player. Uh, when I watch him play, I, I think he makes really good decisions. I think he makes smart and quick decisions. Um, and he's tough. I, I mean, he's not like a mauler, like a Tyler Smith, but he's a tough player. And I, I think you incorporate all of that into one guy. I, I think the biggest question mark is he was an FC, FCS guy. So can, will he transition to the NFL seamlessly versus a guy like a, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like a Kenyon green or something like that. So, Ultimately, I think he's a guy I like a lot in mock drafts, a guy that I think is going to be there at 71, but you could absolutely guarantee, you know, warrant taking him late in the second if you trade back. I wouldn't take him at 48 or 39 just because I think there's better talent that's going to potentially be available, but really like the fit that he brings. And I think everything checks off the list for me as someone who could potentially be a really nice fit for the Bears. Um, so if you don't know who Cole Strange is, Start doing your research because he he could potentially be a Chicago Bear next week. Uh, I would be quite pleased if he was drafted to the Bears. Absolutely. He's also, I think, one of the smartest offensive linemen in this class. For a player who went to a smaller school compared to some of the other offensive linemen in this draft class, I just think that his football IQ, his instincts, they really go ahead and show up on tape. I also really like just... The flexibility he plays with in terms of his leverage, you have flexibility with the hips, the knees too. He's got really good pass sets, really good hand technique, and at the point of attack, just blows defenders off the line of scrimmage. So, you know, Cole Strange is someone that I think is kind of the ideal Ryan Poles draft pick and even Ryan Poles prospect specific and Matt Eberflus type player to kind of build a culture and fit into the roster because you're getting a player who may not be the greatest athlete, but is a really good offensive lineman because he's got the intangibles. He's got all the traits needed. He is someone that is a really hard worker. And then I think is really consistent too. And the biggest thing that sticks out is just the 44 starts. Like I mentioned a moment ago, those 44 starts, I think really showcase consistency, trust from the coaching staff, level of talent, as well as experience. Now, there are sometimes, I think, red flags. And I I think the only red flag that I necessarily have about Cole Strange is that is he going to be someone that is going to be able to transition to the next level? You know, there's times where he's late with his hands in pass protection too, but 
can he take on bigger, faster, stronger defensive linemen at the next level in order to have a legitimate chance at making an NFL career for himself? Because I think what's going to happen with Cole Strange is that he will go ahead and, you know what, at times does get blown off the line of scrimmage, but can also blow players off the line of scrimmage. And I think that for these smaller school guys, you don't want to get blown off the LOS by defenders because that's going to end your career very quickly because it's going to show you may be an offensive lineman, but you could have also been a man amongst boys playing at a smaller school in college. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think I, I kind of uh, am, am similar with my thought of I, I often, you know, when, when we talk about prospects from smaller schools, I, I always think that is a question mark with their game just because ultimately can they translate to the NFL versus people, you know, players who play at bigger programs. Um, it, it, you know, I think a good comparison, not exactly the same position, but kind of a guy who I think a lot of Bears fans want uh, is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. By all means has the physical characteristics, but by no means is a player that that is absolutely perfect um, or is the perfect ideal fit for the Bears. And I think kind of the same thing goes for Cole Strange. I, I like a lot of what Cole Strange brings. I, I do think he's a guy that the Bears could take, but are you rolling the dice on a player like that in the second or third round? Because that's kind of one of the biggest question marks I think I have is these guys, you know, I think have second, third round grades, but are you for the Bears specifically? I think it's different if the Bears have a first round pick. But because the Bears don't have a first round pick, you know, your third round pick might be your your second or third selection. And and again, that needs to potentially be a player who can play right away are you rolling the dice on an FCS kid like Cole Strange? And I think ultimately, you know, I like the tape. I like the potential. And I think I'm willing to roll the dice on a guy like that. But it's a great question to bring up because, again, to your point, if you get beat off the line of scrimmage right away, your career will be over before it even begins in the NFL because the Bears specifically, but just in the NFL in general, we need interior offensive linemen who can get off the line of scrimmage quickly, fast, and absolutely explode and and knock guys back because – the Bears are going to run the ball this year quite a bit. Um, but all that kind of wrapped up and summed up. Uh, I still really, really like Cole Strange, and, and I would love to see him in a Bears uniform uh, just with the right pick at the right time, I think, for me. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, when we look at the Bears right now, I mean, people are legitimately talking about the possibility of, hey, could the Bears take a player from a certain position in round two that he may not necessarily have a significant need at? I mean, I don't see the Bears taking a tight end or a defensive tackle or even an outside linebacker specifically because those three classes, I think, have some talent, but they're not as, you know, big needs for the Bears this season as they could turn into over the next couple of years. Because while Roquan Smith and Cole Komet are the futures of the position, the reality of the situation, I think, also just comes down to the fact that the Bears don't need a top-tier linebacker. They don't need, you know, a top-tier interior defensive lineman or a top-tier tight end to kind of come in and, you know, significantly shake things up on the roster. But if in the event that something falls, here, I don't think tight end is going to be the pick 
but I would say I would be surprised to see Chicago take a player such as uh, Nicobe Dean, who's a first-round talent who could very well slip to round two, you know, or even a player like a Christian Harris, who a lot of people have pegged as round two grades right now. Uh, round two, round three guy. I know today on Bears Twitter, Leo Chanel was a name that was kind of making rounds as a phenomenal athlete, Chanel being from Wisconsin. But, you know, I would be surprised, I have to say, if the Bears went linebacker in round two. But what do you think? I agree with that. Um, it, it doesn't, ne- it feels more like a want than a need. Um, for the Bears in the second round, um, there's going to be good linebackers in the second and third round. I, I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, and I do think the Bears could get a really, really nice player um, in the second or third round and plays linebacker. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like a, a, a need because, again, my mindset for the Bears in this draft is offense needs to be the priority. And it seems like taking a linebacker early indicates that, hey, we, we don't care as much about investing in the offense as we've claimed to, to say that we care. Um, I guess like kind of similar to that, uh, not saying that, that um, this is absolutely going to happen, but I could totally see the bears taking a defensive lineman in the second round. I, I think the bears have met with a couple of second round potential players in, uh, in uh, meetings this past couple of weeks. Um, I know that Ryan Poles wants to build through the trenches. That doesn't necessarily mean just the offensive line. And again, it's it's kind of a top-heavy defensive line class. So if the Bears don't invest in a player early, they're kind of rolling the dice on a day three guy who may not be a nice fit long-term and maybe more of a project player. I truly think if the Bears trade back, it would not surprise me if they took a defensive lineman early. I, I think that would be a surprise, but not one that I'm necessarily super angry about because it is kind of a positional need. It's just not the side of the ball I want the Bears to invest in when it comes to the line uh, early on in the draft, but but look the defensive line as a as kind of a dark horse candidate for the Bears uh, in terms of taking a position in the second round too. Yeah, what? So so let me ask you this: Are there any names on interior defensive line that you look at and you're like, okay, I absolutely have to have that guy? Because I think for linebacker for me, it would be Nicobe Dean, Leo Chanel, like I mentioned a moment ago, would be the top two guys. I mean, I, I, the problem is, is that I I didn't really, I haven't really been doing a lot of investing when it comes to like second and third round, like linebackers or defensive line. I I know the bears have talked to guys like Logan Hall, but I think I would be frustrated if the bears went defense early. We talked about it last week, um, comparing wide receiver offensive line and corner in the second round and kind of what the bears should do. What's more of like the sweet spot and, and kind of bringing it back to this week. Cause if you haven't listened to last week's episode, first of all, go listen to it. Uh, second of all, it's important here because it, the bears uh, it, offense is more important right now. The bears have not had a successful offense in a long time. The bears have not had stability in the offense in a long time. And you can build a defense quicker than an offense. So don't rush to take defensive prospects in the second and third rounds because there's just automatically good guys available and miss out on offensive prospects. I would be kind of crushed if the Bears, if the Bears went like defensive line, offensive line in the second or something like that, I wouldn't be that upset. But 
I don't know. I feel like taking a linebacker or a defensive lineman and not taking a receiver or, or an interior offensive lineman kind of kind of shows your hand a little bit as to, hey, we we feel more confident in this offense and we don't feel like we need to invest in it as much. And that's just not the case, I don't think. I don't know if you agree with me on that. That might just be more me being more of a fan here than, than a kind of someone who's just trying to analyze the Bears and break down the Bears. But I don't know. Taking defense early, whether it's D-line or linebacker, would take the wind out of my sails a little bit personally. Yeah, I don't – look, you're kind of right because it's the league that's driven by elite offenses and elite quarterback play. And you build elite offenses over a course of years. You know, Ryan Poles comes from this Kansas City tree where they drafted Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, McCall Hardman over a number of years to kind of build that 2019 championship team. I said this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again. Is it you build a successful offense through the NFL draft? You know, obviously there's exceptions because there's free agency, but also you build a great offense through the draft. And so for the Bears, it will legitimately be a disservice to Justin Fields to go anything other than offense. You know, when you have a head coach, like Matt Eberflus, I think that more than anything, what tends to happen is that you have to be somebody that is going to come in and, and really go ahead. And essentially, I just think more than anyone have the opportunity to build around your quarterback. When you're a guy like a Matt Eberflus, you know, you need to be able to go ahead and coach up the defense specifically to compensate for what may be a lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball, but the best coaches always get the most out of average players. So it just does not make sense for Chicago to go ahead and to basically give the middle finger to Justin Fields per se in nicer terms and go ahead and basically draft defensive players. The only other thing I really add to this point and I agree with you. It absolutely is a middle finger to Justin Fields. We talked about it earlier. Talk about the impact of the draft of Justin Fields. If you prioritize defense over offense, you're basically implying, hey, we've done enough to build this offense around Justin Fields. We brought him a new offensive coordinator and, you know, some some high ceiling potential players in free agency. And and that that would be devastating because now we're just doing the exact same thing we did prior years before with guys like Mitch Trubisky. And I think Justin Fields has the potential to be a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. I, I think there's a lot of people that would agree with that. I'm not saying that the Bears by no means shouldn't look at the defense early. But I would be really, really shocked if defense was more of a priority than offense as a whole in this draft, especially in the second round. Again, Bears trade back in the second round, maybe and, and maybe load up on some more picks in the third and fourth round. Yeah, maybe you look at, at the linebacker or defense alignment in the second and third round and, and see what guys are available. But I I think it's definitely something for Bears to keep in mind of. And I've done some mock draft where the Bears have taken defensive players early. Certainly not saying I have it, but I prioritize offense as a whole. So that that's a great way to kind of say it. Like it, it truly would kind of be a middle finger to Justin Fields. And I don't think that that's what this bears regime is about. I do think they're invested in this young quarterback. I mean, I think they kind of have to be invested in 
Justin Fields specifically because when you were taking a job in Chicago and talking to George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, you knew one of the conditions was basically going to be you better figure out with Justin Fields. Kind of getting away from all that here. I mean, let's get back to the second round for just a second here, Sam. But if there was a player that the Bears selected that legitimately would surprise you, it was a selection out of blue. Who would it be and why? Are you saying like just a, a specific player in the second round or like more just like a, like kind of like what we've been talking about? I guess just a specific player. A guy that I've seen slip in mock drafts that I, I actually did a Twitter poll on because I was genuinely curious. A, a player that I would be really surprised if they were select, selected in round two by the Bears. Not totally upset, kind of again going along the lines of prioritizing defense early, but but maybe you're rolling the dice here. Um, Michigan's David Ojabo, a guy who was probably going to be a top 10 pick this year, who tore his Achilles at a, a pro day for Michigan, a guy who absolutely is going to probably slip at most into the second round and seems more like a luxury pick for a team who's got a lot of draft capital or a contending team who can kind of redshirt him for a year. I, I could see the Bears rolling a dice on the guy like that if they had one or two more picks. I would be surprised if the Bears did that. Now, I have some family members who root for Michigan, so I think they'd be pretty pleased to see Ojabo in a Bears uniform. Again, the Bears kind of have to make a decision with guys like Robert Quinn soon. I could see Robert Quinn being moved either this year or next. Um, And again, I mean, I don't think edge rusher is a huge priority, but it's definitely something to at least monitor. Um, I would be pretty surprised if the Bears took a guy like David Ojabo. I'm not necessarily totally against it. I'm not necessarily totally for it. Um, he's fallen into some mock drafts for me before. And I kind of went to Twitter and said, Hey, what do bears fans think of this? And it kind of was a general consensus of, eh, sure. But maybe in the right situation. Um, but that would be a guy that would absolutely surprise me because I think when healthy, he's a very good edge rusher in this draft class, but it just seems more like a luxury pick for a team like Chicago. Yeah. I mean, the big thing to understand is that a player like a David Ajabo, let, let me take a step back here because I was going to say that a guy like David Ojabo would be fantastic on the Bears, but we also have to understand that if David Ojabo continues to slip, it's as a result of the torn Achilles sustained during his pro day, but also people forget like David Ojabo was at one point being talked about as the top three pass rusher in this draft class behind Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. So to see him here in Chicago, because he's such a scream, scheme transcendent player, it would actually then make Robert Quinn more flexible and allow the Bears to offload Robert Quinn and just have a pass rushing duo of Travis Gibson and David Ojabo. Which I don't know if people caught the pressers today, but Travis Gibson sounds so much more confident going into year three, knowing that he's ready to take a massive step forward. He had big shoes to fill last year with Khalil Mack being out and just ended up doing such a phenomenal job. So Ojabo would be a name to keep an eye on, but I also think, for me, it would be another player that's on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it would be Lewis sign from Georgia because he's a player that you look at him. I mean, he can play single high safety. So he's a cover one guy, but you know, he's incredibly rangy safety. He's got really good straight line speed. Um, His ability to move around as a defender and pass coverage just really sticks out. So you can drop back in coverage. You can also have him play up in the box. You can play in the slot, a really good all around safety. Also a really violent, violent, physical, nasty hitter. So, 
there's a certain attitude to a guy such as a Lewis sign from Georgia who is, again, one of the best safeties in this class, only behind Kyle Hamilton. But he doesn't make sense for the Bears because while they would be getting the perfect complement to a player such as Eddie Jackson, there are far bigger needs. And it would surprise me if the Bears went ahead and legitimately decided to take Lewis Sign, knowing that a player such as DeAndre Houston, Carson, or Dane Kirkshank could make legitimate cases to start next season, even though... Kirkshank and Houston Carson would not be as talented or as attractive as uh, of options compared to a guy like a Lewis Sign. I mean, the only other thing I'll really add, though, is too, is like we talk about finding the perfect compliment for Eddie Jackson. This is an evaluation year for Eddie Jackson. The Bears can get out of his contract next year. Like, that's the thing, too, that like I think we have to also understand, like when talking about potentially taking a safety early is it may be a priority next year because you may need someone to fill in the role that Eddie Jackson brings in, or you may just maybe want to fill that role in now because that's a long-term move that the bears are absolutely going to make unless Eddie Jackson balls out. Like he has been able to, when you talk about like, you know, his 2018 season. Um, Again, I think the common theme here is defensive players, I think would be more of a surprise. I don't know. You said like, do you, do you kind of agree with me on that? Like, I feel like really it's, I don't see the Bears going defense early unless they make a pretty substantial trade back. Yeah, I think it's a really valid concern because for years and years and years, and at least in my lifetime, the big issue with the Bears has been why can't this team get quarterback figured out, but also why can't this team get the offense figured out? And again, going back to the Matt Nagy-Ryan Pace era, it's like the Bears – Went and I know there was a bit of a disagreement here in our group chat on Twitter, but our good friend Lucas Berry kind of asked, Hey, do you think the Bears won the Khalil Mack trade? Now, I certainly think the Bears won the Khalil Mack trade because those defenses led by Khalil Mack kind of kept the Bears relevant. You know, the Bears made the playoffs two out of three years, and even though one of the years the Bears backed into the playoffs, it was still a playoff appearance, which the playoffs two out of three seasons is a big accomplishment for a team that's been to the playoffs three times since 2010 and then has not made the playoffs in back-to-back years since 2005-2006. So the point is, right, as the Heat take a six-point lead on the – Atlanta Hawks here. My guy Jimmy Butler is playing great. We'll always love Jimmy who had a messy exit from Chicago. Love Kyle Lowry too. But back to the Bears talk. The point I think I'm making more so is that the Bears need to get the offense figured out, right? And if they don't get the offense figured out and Ryan Poles just goes defense, 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 people are going to cut his throats off figuratively. And the reason I say that is because, like I said, you can't trade Khalil Mack and then end up just doubling down on defense when you have such a talented prospect like Justin Fields. And talking to people around the league, I think the consensus just continues to seem to be that the Bears are getting to a point where, you know, we had Courtney Cronin on the show a couple weeks ago, and one thing that she mentioned is that the general feeling is people aren't really sure whether the Bears have a cohesive plan in place to really figure this thing out, even though they've said they're in this for the long haul and they've indicated they're in this for the long haul. But also, if you fail with a talented prospect like Justin Fields, a talented quarterback of his caliber, I think that speaks more to Eberflus. That would speak more to Eberflus and Paul's inability 
to get their priorities right and get their lives together, their careers together, than it would anything with Justin Fields. And unfortunately, I think one of the things that really grinds my gears this offseason is that so much of what I see out there on social media, and you can chime in in just a moment here, is that people are acting like the Bears have hit it out of the park with Eberflus and Poles. But the reality is we don't know if they've the Bears have hit it out of the park with these hires because we're basing this off the fact that Pace and Nagy were fired and the Bears need fresh blood. We're basing it off the fact that Poles came out publicly and said during his introductory press conference, yeah, we're going to build through the draft. But you know who also said that? Ryan Poles also, I'm sorry, Ryan Pace also said that in his first NFL draft. And right now, Matt Eberflus looks like a guy who's continuing to hammer away the hits, hits, hits principle, which is totally fine because those are foundations. And I didn't think Matt Eberflus's analysis was anything super special by any means, just because the first year that a head coach comes in and a GM comes in, it's all about continuing to build that foundation and culture. So well, I think Bulls and Eberflus have said some really good things. I also think that people need to go ahead and kind of lay back their expectations for Bulls and Eberflus, knowing that they're truly in this for the long haul, and we're not going to get a full read on what they are until years down the line, because I think that they're here for at least four seasons through the end of Justin's rookie contract. Yeah, I agree. Only other thing I'll really add is I, I think it's okay to be – optimistic and hopeful as fans. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that, um, but you don't have to necessarily totally buy in. I, I think you're allowed to be a little bit critical. I don't think you need to be like absolutely totally negative. Like we're, this isn't going to work because you, you don't know who these two guys are going to be. So I think if you're listening to this and, and you, you're, you're not sure you're on the fence about, about polls and e-reflues, be hopeful. Be optimistic. I think that's okay. But you don't have to be totally bought in. You know, press conferences don't need to be the only thing that buys you in on a coach and a GM. Let's see what Ryan Poles does in the draft. Let's see how the Bears approach this this offseason, you know, and, and let's see who Matt Eberflus is come week one in September. Um, I, I think that's really the only other thing I have to add to that point. I, I agree with you. I think this this new regime has a couple years of longevity um, and, and guaranteed, you know, kind of – years in, in building this team into the image they hope to build it into. So I'm cautiously optimistic, like I have been all offseason, but I'm not going to be totally bought in by press conferences. Don't tell me, show me. Exactly. Now, listen, we're nearly approaching the one-hour market. I have another show to hop on here in about 14 and a half minutes. But before we get out of this thing, man, how about we give one bold prediction for the 2022 NFL draft? Oof, one bold prediction for the 2022 NFL draft as a whole. Um, oh, man. I think an unexpected team is going to take a quarterback um, within the first two rounds. I, I think a team that has quarterback stability is going to take one of these. Uh, you know, I, I think there's not going to be a lot of quarterbacks taken. Um, and I could see a team that that maybe has a little bit of quarterback stability, maybe has a young quarterback, who knows. I, I could see one of these names getting taken early and 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 kind of causing an absolute uproar uh, in both kind of like the fantasy community and the own fans community and just kind of in general mock draft community because I, I really think people are trying to start to figure out like, oh, who's going to take a quarterback, whatever the case may be. Uh, the second part of that is I think a quarterback, the wrong quarterback is going to get taken early. 
Um, and I think the team that's going to do that is the Carolina Panthers. I, I think they're going to take a quarterback with the six overall pick. That's my bold uh, second part of this bold prediction. I think it's not going to be the quarterback we're all expecting. Uh, and I think it's going to cause an absolute uproar for all the Carolina Panthers fans. Um, Cause once again, they could have had Justin Fields last year and they didn't. So that's my two part bold prediction. First part, I think a uh, team's going to take a quarterback early that no one's going to expect. And my second part, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to take the quarterback that shouldn't have gone first with the six overall pick. Cause I think that's something Carolina would do. All right. Those are some great bold predictions. Um, my bold prediction is actually going to be predicated on the first round as well. And I'm going to go ahead and say that Northern Iowa's very own Trevor Penning, even though he's from a lower ND one school is somebody who continues to go ahead and slip. I think that what you're going to see is a couple of these offensive linemen, like a, Tyler Linderbaum, who's a bit undersized according to some reports, as well as Trevor Pinning, I think that those two guys are going to go ahead and slip and that they are possibly going to be in play for the Bears at 39th overall, which is just going to shake up the draft board. I also think that we're going to see a run on cornerbacks and wide receivers much earlier in round one than a lot of people are willing to admit. And that I think when you look at the 2022 NFL draft order, um, you've got the Packers and Chiefs in the back half of round one. Those are two certainly very interesting teams, but I think that Kansas City picking at 29 and 30 and Green Bay picking at 22 and 28, I think the Packers are going to trade out of one of those selections because there's going to be a team such as the New York Jets that got a second-round pick at 35 and a second-round pick at 38. That's possibly going to come calling and inquire about trading up with either Green Bay or Kansas City. So that's my bold prediction. Now, before we get out of this thing, guys, listen, we're going to give you all some bonus content. So I'm going to turn you all over to our friends here, Sam Stevenson and Joe Herf. They've got some sleepers over hype prospects for you guys to break down. I don't want to release like four episodes in one week, so we're just going to add that on here I know this was a shorter episode than y'all are used to. Plus, it makes up for Joe and Max not being, well, especially Joe not being able to jump on the podcast this week. everybody welcome back to fireside bears youtube make sure you subscribe if you haven't already very appreciative of you guys stopping by today we're going to be talking about some of our sleepers and overhyped prospects of the 2022 nfl draft just a few weeks away how's it going i'm your host max smith next to me is joseph herf uh our usual guy who stays out today he's taking the day off you can catch joseph on our podcast over at fireside bears on the uh, anywhere you get podcasts and of course, you can follow him on Twitter. It is out there. You can follow me on Twitter. You can also subscribe for more of INU State. But how's it going, Joe? Good, man. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, draft is just around the corner. Are you excited? Are you looking forward to it? What's what's kind of how are you feeling about it? Yeah, man. I'm really excited to see uh, you know a new GM in place, seeing how he's going to approach this draft compared to Pace. And I think that we could have a lot of tradebacks, a lot of picks. That could be a lot of fun. So. 
I think uh, I think this draft is you know going to be kind of defining for what we'll see in the future with Ryan Poles and what they'll be targeting for future drafts. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, intrigue around what we can see in a few weeks here. Uh, I think if anything's going to happen in regards to the trade realm, it's going to happen on the day of. Uh, you know, there's a good amount of teams, specifically Philadelphia, who may have one too many picks in that first round that they may be looking to trade down. And there's a team that may have one too many picks in the second round, uh, our, our lovely Chicago Bears. So would be super stunned to see a trade up into the first to grab one of these big name guys. But speaking of guys, it's exactly who we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start off first with a sleeper. Throw me a name that you've been watching that maybe a lot of other guys aren't that you'd like to see uh, wear a Bears uniform next season. Yeah, the first one I'll talk about who's he's been dropping down draft boards after his very, very poor combine showing. That's David Bell. So he has been very productive all three years he's been at Purdue. He had an outstanding freshman season, 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns as a true freshman. That That's incredible alone by itself. Uh, the, he followed up that season with a shortened season. Uh, wasn't, I can't remember if it was injury-related or COVID-related, but you know, he played in six games and still averaged 100 yards a game and had eight touchdowns in six games. So dude's a threat. And, again, he had an absolutely horrendous combine. But if he would have had – if he would have ran, like, say, 4-4 – or four five instead of his four six whatever four six like mid, he probably would be talked about as a first round pick. The dude had a total of almost three thousand yards in three years in college and didn't even play full seasons. So he touched on machine as well. Anytime he touches the ball, he's a threat. He might not be again the fastest guy according to his combine numbers, but when he has the ball, he is very hard to tackle and he's very good in the open space. So he's now dropping into like the third round of mock drafts, and if the Bears, you know, decide to go offensive line, offensive line with their first two picks or offensive line corner, grab Bell as your third-round pick, I would absolutely be ecstatic because I wanted him in the second round when he was already dropping in the second with how how like shaky this wide receiver class is in terms of we have no idea who the top guys are. So if he drops the third, absolutely, I'd be ecstatic with the upside of him and Mooney together. It would just be a dynamic duo. Yeah, there's a ton of Bears fans who are super high in David Bell. Obviously, they probably watched him on most Saturdays. Uh, they're Big Ten fans, which a lot of Bears fans are. So there's no uh, question as to why he's on so many Bears fans' radars. He might be uh, one of the only, I guess I would say, uh, franchises' radars or fan bases' radars, um, just because, again, of, of, of that um, a convenience factor, I guess. David Bell is, like you said, been falling down the boards a lot lately. Um, you completely summarized it perfectly there on, on why. There's just a lot of question marks there um, around his ability to play on the outside, right? Specifically, where would he line up? Um, but again, there's a lot of raw talent. He's one of those guys that has a lot of question marks, but has a really high ceiling that you just hope would be in a situation, you know, ideally with Ty Tolbert able to really unlock that like he has with other um, young, high you know, high risk, high reward type of uh, talent there. But if you take him in the third or the fourth, if he slides that far, that's not really as much as a risk um, as it is a pure reward. But that's definitely one to keep an eye on. I'm going to stay with the offense and I'm going to stay with guys who catch the ball. I'm going to talk about Coastal Carolina's Isaiah Likely. This is a guy who a year ago we were talking about as one of, if not the best tight end in college football. His slide has been really stunning to the point where now he's third or fourth and a lot of draft uh, big boards. And I've still yet to find a real reason why 
he didn't really perform at the combine. He showed up and he did a vertical and then he left. He didn't uh, participate in the 40. He didn't participate in any other drills, but he has been participating uh, specifically in, in visits in his pro day. And he's been meeting with teams. His tape speaks for itself. Uh, this guy is ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous athlete. For a little bit of context, I'll just give you some of the insider scoop. I just happened to be at the best bowl game every year ever, which is in Orlando, Florida, called the Cure Bowl. You may not have heard about it until this year, just now. Um, but the NIU Huskies took on the Coastal Carolina. Uh, I think they're the Gamecocks. I don't even know. Um, no, the Chanticleers, my bad. They're the Chanticleer. How could I get that wrong? I'm so sorry. Um, but they're, they're a giant chicken. Uh, so... It was, it was, I was sitting in the uh, Coastal Carolina side because as one does, I, you know, I couldn't get to the NIU side. My, my seats were on the Coastal Carolina side. I don't know how I got the tickets for free. So they were, I was, I wasn't going to complain about it. Uh, but every single person I was sitting around was just complaining that Isaiah wasn't getting the ball. And sure enough, I happened to be sitting next to members of Isaiah Likely's family and they're wonderful folks. They probably don't know who I am. I'm not even sure if they actually were his family. I just took that, you know, for surface level. But all I have to say is every single person on that sideline was 100% committed into that guy. And the second he touched the ball, he made things happen. And if you've seen Coastal Carolina throughout their, you know, kind of magical run two years ago in the COVID season, um, as well as some games last season, every time Isaiah gets the ball, he makes a play. This guy is one of, if not the most versatile tight end prospects we've seen in the NFL draft. You know, he, he honestly, he could perform day one impact like Kyle Pitts does. This, the guys, they're very similar, except guess what? Isaiah likely is a little more built. He's a little bigger body. He's going to be able to run over more guys. He has that, you know, breakneck first step speed. The only, only downside for him is a lack of extended route running is that he's not the greatest route runner, but his hands are there. His size is there. His speed is there. His vertical is there. The raw talents there and the ceilings there too. So not that the bears need a tight end, uh, but anybody would, you know, anybody would be happy. I feel in this point for Isaiah likely to fall on their lap and don't be surprised if you see him taken up in the second, uh, especially as his momentum starts to grow here. Now that other teams such as the Bengals and the Panthers um, have confirmed and meeting with him already. Yeah. I think what happens to a lot of players when they don't do everything at the combine and don't wow people with like a crazy 40s, they start to slide. Like you said, I really don't understand why he's not being talked about as the top tight end. I mean, this is a 12 touchdowns as a tight end in college. That's rare. Most tight ends in college, you know, We'll be lucky to get 400 to 500 yards and a few touchdowns unless you're you know, unless you're the crazy Kyle Pitts. He, like you said, he, he can be the next, like, you, you tight end is kind of an open phrase, but like that split out wide receiver tight end who is just a big body that can beat anybody in any facet of the game with his speed, size, strength. He's going to be a very good tight end for years. And I, uh, I, I like to use NFL.com to kind of, you know, read through what other scouts think and, they made a really good comp to him. They, their comp to him is Delaney Walker. I think he could have a long-term career like Walker, and I think his like floor is above Walker's whatever Walker's floor ever was. I, I think he's going to be a very good tight end for many years to come, and I, I don't get a slide either. It really makes no sense to me. All right, cool. So those are two sleepers real quick, and no, you're completely right. Is is Again, it's just – 
it gets frustrating sometimes because you're like, how how are is am I crazy? Is no one else seeing just how good this guy is? And it's because, well, he's not trending on Twitter, right? So and in and in some cases, this is good for these guys because that means that, you know, while all of the other noises on some of these other guys, teams are secretly meeting with them and going, Yeah, no, we're gonna take you pretty high. So just chillax, like don't worry about it. Um, so that might play into his favor. But let's help uh, hop over into some overhyped real quick, and then we'll go back to sleepers for the viewers. Now you understand a little bit of this format. Hope it gets clear for you. Uh, but but shoot me one of these uh, overhyped guys that you think is just getting too much attention. That you know maybe a dud, may not, but just it shouldn't be going where they're going in the mock drafts as of the moment. Yeah. So this is going to get a lot of hate because a lot of Bears fans love this wide receiver, but George Pickens is getting a little overhyped for me. Uh, I know a lot of fans want him taken with 39th overall with our first pick. I see the upside. I don't think you should be taking your first pick of the draft without a trade back as a guy who, in my opinion, doesn't really have a safe floor. And some people think he does, and that's fine. I, I think he could be a very safe player too, but the fact that his most productive year was in 2019 and he hardly had over 700 receiving yards like that's again i'm not basing this all off stats this is just just a piece of the puzzle i know a lot of people say production doesn't mean anything look at christian watson he didn't do anything either the difference is christian watson played for a run first offense and he was playing in the fcs like it's completely different he he had a high target share percentage he had a high receiving share percentage george pickens didn't like he had a decent but it was nowhere near watson and after that, he's had issues. Off, he's had issues off the field. He's had injury concerns. He, he had that ACL injury again. He came back and played in the championship, like or in one of the playoff games. Good for him. Like that was awesome. He had an outstanding catch, showing his incredible hands. I think he has a lot of high, like a really, really, really high ceiling. And if he can live up to what his like combine numbers, his size and his speed, he'll be a star. But his just his wiry frame, the no college production really to back it up. I don't really feel comfortable spending a high second round pick on somebody that has never really shown it completely on the field. I, I'd rather, again, like a David Bell. He he had almost three thousand yards in college in three years starting. I, I don't get how you can. I, again, I can see the ceiling, but the floor is just way too confusing for me. That I do not feel comfortable at all taking him in the second. Yeah, no, that's totally justified. Um, obviously, there's a lot of hype around George Pickens. Um, a lot of a lot of videos on Twitter. A few guys are like really pushing hard for for the you know house hall to take George Pickens as soon as they possibly can. I'm not sure uh, that that house hall will need to, uh, specifically because of those injury concerns, right? Like you mentioned, uh, that's that's a real issue. Uh, we don't want another Kevin White scenario where, unfortunately, we take a kid with a really high ceiling, just doesn't pan out, right? Um, and if, if there's already red stop signs saying, hey, slow down a bit, let's make sure that everything is, is in order, um, that's that's not offense. Like, that's no offense to George Pickens. Um, it's just, it's a business, unfortunately, at the end of the day, and they have to make the best business decision. Um, so with that being said, he did have a miraculous recovery. Like the amount of time that it took for him to get back into this like position that he is, is insane. And that itself might tell teams that, you know, maybe there's something, you know, another look for this guy, just because he got hurt doesn't mean he has to fall all the way. Um, But specifically, I think for scheme is 
if the Bears don't go and sign Byron Pringle, this pick makes a lot more sense because we don't have that slot guy to really plug and play on the inside because Pickens can't play on the outside. He's just not big enough. He doesn't have the position that he just, he can't do that in the league yet. Maybe in a few years he can, but he's not a plug and play. I'm going to put you on the outside and throw 50 yard bombs. You Justin Fields every play. That's not what he's here for. Um, he'd be again, like I said, multiple times on this YouTube channel for, for bears fans, the equivalent would be a better Anthony Miller. Day one is what you would hopefully see out of George Pickens. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would I would agree uh, that there's a lot of hype. Um, I personally would like would like him on the team, but I wouldn't be willing to take our first pick at 39 um, on a guy, like you just said, uh, that we don't really know the floor is. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit more of a, a, a broader stab here, uh, and I'm going to talk about a guy that many are looking at the Green Bay Packers pick up, um, and I hope that this doesn't convince them not to. I'm sure it won't. Uh, but that's Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a, a talent regardless. He's going to perform this in this league. He's probably going to have a pretty good career too. But I don't think he's this guy that this that, that everyone thinks that he is. And I don't think he's worthy of being taken in the mid to even late first round. I think he deserves to slide a little bit. Yeah, I won't say deserve, but I think he should uh, slide just a little bit further. Um, Olave just, just, if you, if you watch the tape and you watch his route running and you, and you watch his presence on the field, a lot of the time he's caught watching the game rather than playing. I remember watching, uh, Justin Fields tape back before we drafted him and even right after we drafted him with him at Ohio state, the guy who was consistently performing, the guy who was consistently looking for the looks, the guy who was consistently running around the field, giving Justin more time was Garrett Wilson. It wasn't Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a big body receiver that the Green Bay Packers desperately need, that the Chicago Bears desperately need. Uh, but he, he's not that like generational talent that maybe he was once touted as. And, and his fall over a long span of time, right, uh, is, is warranted in my opinion. You know, you, you, you have a really good season and a shortened season and everyone thinks that you're going to be the next big thing. And then, wow, you, you play a full season and people go, wait a second, the guy lining up across from you actually looks a lot better here. But why is that, right? So that's not this not to say that like Chris Olave is going to be a dud. He's not. It's just if we're talking about overhyped guys who are maybe valued a little bit higher than they should be, he's definitely on my short list there. Uh, because again, the, the performance just, just doesn't, it is inconsistent, number one. Number two, we'd love to see just more physical prowess and ability. And number three, when it comes to the quickness of the game in the professional league, you don't have time to stand around and watch the game. You have time to play the game. And if you don't learn that super quickly, you're not going to have a good career in the league. I think he's going to find a solid team. He's going to be in a solid roster uh, who has, you know, I guess the leverage to take a guy like him and show him the ropes and allow him to grow. Then he'll have a good career, um, but I just I just don't see him being as many or what as many people are, are touting him to be. I could definitely see that. I don't know if he's worthy of a top twenty pick. I, I think I know some people believe he is, and like you said, he doesn't really improvise very well. He doesn't really he doesn't do the extra the extra thing on the field and. I think he's, it's it's not anything against his character, nothing like that. It's just something that isn't really taught. It's just something that's natural to you, always trying to find work, always trying to make that extra block, always trying to make that extra play. And 
it's just not his mo and again it's nothing against his character at all that that's it might come across as that way but it really isn't and i like you said he'll have a very good career for a long term but i don't think people i think people see him as like a potential top five receiver in the nfl down the line i i don't see that I, again he has the he has the traits to be it in terms of measurables from the combine size his, his route running but He's, he's not going to have that extra step. And I think he could be a solid, you know, top 20 wide receiver for his career, but I'm not sure he's worth uh, where he's going now. If, say if he drops the sec- early second round, he's a steal at that point, in my opinion. I think any time before, like, pick 25 is, is a little too rich for my liking, but that kind of end of the first round, beginning of the second, is a very good spot for him, in my opinion. Well, awesome, awesome. All right, let's move back into some sleepers. Uh, I'm going to start off and switch it up this time, and we're going to move over to the offensive line because, uh, again, this is another position that the Bears are desperately <laughs> need to use or picks to improve upon, uh, especially after a little bit of a slow offseason in regards to free agency. Uh, maybe a lot of people expected a little bit more. You know, We didn't get it, but, oh, well, it is what it is. Trust the plan, I guess. But a guy that uh, we've talked about on the show, Shade and I, uh, for, for a while now, is uh, one of these guys that I think is going to be available day three that will, one, fit into the system perfectly. He's a hard-hitting, hard-nosed guy who just doesn't take any excuses. He doesn't take any BS, and he doesn't have a problem throwing you into the ground, which is what Ryan Poles told us. He wants his offensive line to be, well, you know, what it looks like is a different story, but these are the type of player archetypes that we're looking for. And two, uh, should compete in a mini camp and in OTAs uh, in, in full practice for, for a position. Uh, this guy is Dylan Parham out of Memphis. He is a incredible, incredible, incredible run, pa- uh, run blocker. He's got a quick first step. He's got a ridiculous amount of strength and he's got a pretty good size uh, on that frame as well. When we're looking at offensive linemen, specifically in this class, because there's a good amount of them, right? If if Zion Johnson is available at 39, Bears are going to take him. No question. Put money on it. It's going to happen. BC connection, probably one of the best true guards in this draft. But there's a couple guys underneath there who will, will be serviceable, but I don't know if they fit that mold as much as Dylan Parnum does. And this is a guy who, you know, I, I just I, I can't say enough good things about what he's been able to do at Memphis. And again, if you look at the Bears draft history, there's a lot of emphasis on these guys at smaller Southern schools, specifically Memphis. Uh, there's a couple of Bears in the past couple of years that have come from Memphis. But once again, I just, you know, D- D- Dylan Parnum is definitely a name to watch. Uh, I think he's a little undervalued. I think he's is probably, I, th- I don't know, at least personally, I've seen his name start rising a bit over the past couple of weeks. But Two weeks from now, it's day three. We've taken one guard already. Don't be surprised if we take Dylan Parnum. He might fall, I don't know, probably the fifth. Could very well happen. Uh, just depends on what happens in regards to trades or anything that, that could occur. But definitely add him to your list if you haven't already. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Dylan Parham. I It is hard for me not, when I do a mock draft, it's hard for me not to take him the third because I know that's, reaching for him but i see his value as a second slash third round prospect i mean i think he's a day one starter i think he you bring in a veteran to compete with him at guard but hey if you get him day three and bring in like a uh 
like a, I don't know, like maybe a, like an Alex Bars type of player to compete with him for right guard. He's gonna beat him out. And he's gonna be the starter. And I love his value. Get like you say, he's mean and nasty. He's exactly what they're looking for in terms of an offensive lineman. He's got years of starting under his belt. He's got the experience. I, I'm a big fan of him too. Huge fan. All right, go ahead. Throw me another one of your guys. Yeah, so I'll, I'll change the side of the ball. We've, we've, been, we've done a lot of offense, so I'll move to defensive side of the ball. Um, my guy uh, for corner is Zion McCollum. So he is a guy that has everything you want in a corner in terms of traits. He's he's 6'2". He's got the size. He runs a 4'340", and he absolutely just creates turnovers when he plays the game. He, he created 19 turnovers in his college career, 13 of them being interceptions, I believe, if I remember correctly. And he just has the instincts to just get to the ball. He finds a way to get the ball out with a forced fumble or an interception. He has just the instincts you can't teach. And he's just so smooth and fluid. I don't understand. He He's like, and Mox is like fourth to sixth round type of player. And I, I don't think you can find a better corner prospect in those rounds with the traits that he has. And he has the starting experience backed up again. It's FCS football, but you're going to make the case to draft, you know, a a Northern Iowa tackle in the first round or a Christian Watson at the beginning of the second round. But why not? Why not this guy? He's got the years of experience. He's got the measurables. I don't know what else would be missing. He, he literally has everything you want. I, I, he could even be a day one starter. I believe I think he needs to, you know, catch up to the speed of the NFL, get to, you know, practice against these Darnell Mooney and, and possibly a George Pickens. If you draft him too. practicing against them every day and, before the season starts, I think he'd easily be the number two corner alongside Jalen Johnson. And his main like issue, quote-unquote, is getting beat deep. In a cover two scheme, he won't have to worry about that as much. There's always going to be a safety behind him. It's not going to be a major concern for him. I think he has a very good upside to either be a high-level corner or even possibly safety with his size, too, and just be one of those deep guys who just drops. So he and and he has special teams experience. He's been a gunner on punt returns. He's been he's been on kick returns too. I think he's gonna provide instant value no matter where he is on this team. Yeah, I yeah, this is a guy who popped up on a lot of people's radars because of his ridiculous showing at the combine. I think he had the best overall performance out of all of the uh, the cornerbacks there. Just put up insane numbers, right? And when you're an FCS guy who is on nobody's boards. This, the combine is a place to finally put yourself on, on some of those boards, right? And that's exactly what he did. Um, the numbers in his season speak for himself. This is a good year for FCS in regards to making it to the professional league. There's a ton of talent there that has been overlooked. Um, it's nice that it's finally kind of being, I guess, realized on the professional stage. Um, and, and, and you're right. This isn't a guy who's going to plug and play. You know, he's not going to be a third or fourth. He's probably going to go later. Uh, he's not going to be able to to put out performance like Jalen Johnson did. Game, you know, game one, game winning passing or you know, or deflection. That's um, probably not what you're going to get out of him. But you're going to get year or two to maybe multiple good years of special team experience, like you just said, uh, and a guy who's able to substitute in and out and able to make impacts and maybe eventually depending on what whatever this team i don't know filters out through cornerback rooms if they make trades etc if you use the bears for example uh you could easily see him starting towards towards the end of the season or maybe in the next season uh he's kind of like a Deion bush guy where he's just going to be able to play wherever you want him or deandre Houston carson where he's going to perform if you put him in the game 
so yeah, this is definitely a good guy to keep an eye on in the later rounds. And again, I don't think the Bears are really going to look at cornerback until the later rounds, uh, unless there's an individual by the name of Roger McCurry available in the second. Uh, if if not, they're probably going to pass on that position towards the late. And I wouldn't be surprised if this guy uh, comes off the board because his takeaway ability, like you mentioned, is exactly what Eberflus looks for at the position specific. He's looking for cornerbacks who are willing to put their body on the line and get that ball out of the hands of wide receivers uh, and, and, you know, undercut routes and stuff. So that's a huge plus for him. If he's looking for a, you know, a spot on a franchise in Chicago, uh, he happened to have a good time for, for a good head coach to do that. But that's, that's definitely a good one. That's not on a lot of people's radars, by the way, folks. So if you just learned who this guy is, you could thank Joe for that. But all right, we're going to move over into uh, our last overhyped here. Um, and then I think we should be we, we should be good for today. Of course, you can always get more content on uh, Fireside Bears and Empire Sports Media, as well as us on Twitter and the podcast if you're really wanting more. Uh, but I'm going to end today with a little bit of a hot take again, and this is one of the more highly touted offensive linemen, and that's Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. I, I just haven't seen enough for this guy. In, in the positive light for me to go, yeah, this is this is definitely one of the best offensive linemen overall in this draft. Number one, there's a lot of concern about whether or not he should play the tackle. He's a little undersized for an offensive tackle. He's 6'4", 300 some odd pounds, uh, and he's supposed to be a day one tackle in the NFL. That's not going to happen. Um, he'd be one of the more undersized tackles in this league, and I just don't think he has – the, the ability to play that position well enough, but he's still listed as a tackle and teams are scouting him as a tackle. So that in itself tells me that it, something's not right there. But two is if he is a tackle, how is he going to keep up with just the next level speed we're looking at in the professional football? Like it's not going to happen. I, I just, I, I struggle to understand how this guy is expected to become one of the best offensive lineman prospects of this, of this draft by whatever team takes him. I think he's like, Oh, well, maybe the New York giants are going to take him and they're going to plug him in and he's instantly going to help out Daniel Jones. And, and no, that's not going to happen. You may find good production out of him because he's ridiculously strong and he does have good footwork. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think you're going to find that production at the edge as much as you may find it on the interior. But even then, he played tackle throughout college, so you're going to have to retrain him how to be an offensive lineman. And, yes, guys, it's it's not super different, but it's enough where you may have to change your stance, and that may take you know a couple of months until you're comfortable to get off the ball quick enough that you're already leveraged to take on the you know America's strongest and fastest guys at defense alignment across the line from you. It takes some time to learn and lean into that. And whatever team's going to be taking him top 20, they're going to expect him to start game one because they wouldn't use a top 20 pick on an offensive lineman unless they were expecting that lineman to start. So I just, I don't see this guy as a tackle this high. And if he's not a tackle, then he's a guard. And I don't see anyone wasting a top 20 or even a first round pick on a guard who spent the past couple of years as a tackle. It's, it's just, to me, the math isn't adding up, but I know there's a lot of guys who are super high on this guy. I think he has talent. I just just don't think he should be in the first round. Yeah, I, I definitely was going to say it if you didn't. He's a guard prospect that doesn't have a lot of guard experience. 
I relate him to – he's a little hot better, but Jackson Carmen from last year when I believe it was uh, the Bengals drafted him to be a tackle, and it's just not – he's not a tackle. And it didn't work out, so he got moved to guard. And they had to kind of train him midseason to be a guard, and it was a absolute sloppy mess the entire season. It improved at the end, got a little better as the season went on, but it was just a sloppy mess. And I think that's what's kind of happening here. I think if a team that is – at the say say a team that's already kind of got an offensive line built, they're a a team that's ready to make a run. Say it's possibly the Buffalo Bills or a team that's just literally missing one piece in the offensive line at guard, and they draft this guy and instantly just let him sit behind someone and learn and let him develop into that guard. It's still kind of a waste because you're drafting a guy in the first round. You want to be starting day one, and if he's not ready day one, again, again, it's a good long term move, but. If your team at the end of that first round, you're looking to win now. And I think a good spot for him would be a team at the end of the first round who, you know, possibly trades up and like say the bears obviously won't trade up, but that'd be a good example of the bears trade up into the first round and grab him. He's kind of in a good spot because he can sit behind somebody and develop and the bears have time to let somebody do that. Or if a team trades back in the first round, that is, you know, a, a lower level team, they can trade back a little bit and settle with him. So, I agree. I think the spot he's that's a little too rich for my liking. I think he's an early second round pick, but I, I think he could be a very good guard for the for the future. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, last one, ladies and gentlemen. Joe, hit us with your last overhyped. Yeah, so I've been seeing a, a corner. I wanted to stay on defense. I've, I've seen a corner who's been going pretty early for my liking. It's Marcus Jones out of Houston. Um, he's basically going to be a slot corner in the NFL. He's only 5'8". So he's a guaranteed slot corner, and he's being drafted in like the third and fourth round. I don't can't really sell me on drafting a slot corner that early. Like again, you're playing a nickel most of the time, but I, I see most teams are finding their slot corners in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. And if you're drafting a guy in the third round to be your slot corner, I think that's too rich for my liking. I think he's a, he's got incredible twitch, explosion, speed. I think he could be very good in that aspect, but and he could possibly be a good return man. But I don't think he's really worth the the risk that you're taking in drafting a third round slot corner. Like it's just, it's, it's basically drafting like, like a, uh, like a third round tight end. Who's only be on the field half the game. Like he's basically your fifth DB on the field. He's your, your fifth coverage option. You're going to draft him the third round. That's just very strange to me. I, I don't think it's really worth it unless you think he can play on the outside, which he does not have the size to back that up at all or the strength. I think, again, he's going to be stuck playing in the slot. He's not really going to have a chance to go on the outside. I think if he were to fall to the fifth round, I think he'd be an absolute awesome pickup. But where he's at now is just not worth it at all. Yeah, there's a huge size difference uh, like in the first half and the second half of cornerback. And that's kind of the big difference between whether or not you're going to do, I guess, well uh, in the NFL draft is – uh, like you said, looking for guys who are around 5'11", above 6 feet tall to play on the outside. If you're under, it's tough, specifically at the cornerback position, because you're not going to be able to play up with some of these guys. Um, so there's not a whole lot. You know, there's a couple. Roger McCreary's 5'11". He's our guy. You know, he's, he's probably one of the better uh, cornerbacks in this in this class. Uh, but no, you're, you're, you're completely right. Um, it's, it's hard to justify, especially when you have like talent uh, at, at the position who, again, like a carrier, uh, Elam, who might be around the same uh, time that you potentially pick him at. Why would you not take the six two, uh, you know, slightly more physical guy who can actually defend on the edge 
as compared to the guy who's literally just going to have to sit um, at the middle of the field and, and hope that maybe the, the, the mic's able uh, to pick up a, a ball or, or two or, or punch it out so that you can then take the interception because you're probably not going to be able uh, to contest the pass because the guy is just going to go right over you. So that's that's a big question for sure. Um, and, and I, yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. And one thing for you at home to watch is when you look at the first couple of cornerbacks off the board, look at their size. Look exactly, you know, like, are they on the outside? I'm willing to bet that nine out of 10 times they're big guys that are expected to contain on the edge um, and are also fast, like, you know, sub four, five, 40. Uh, some of these guys are running four fours. This cornerback class is extremely fast. If you, if you didn't notice that at the combine, you should probably take a look at that now. Uh, so the big, you know, what's what's the separating factor between these guys? It's not so much speed this year as it is so much as size, I think. Who's the tallest and who's the fastest? It's probably who's going to be taken first. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Those are just some sleepers and some overrated guys we're looking at in this draft here in a few weeks. Let us know who your sleepers or – I don't know if say overrated or just players you don't like that you hope the Bears don't take uh, in the comments below. Make sure you tweet at us on Twitter whether or not you agreed with any of these takes. Again, we always love learning from you. We hope you're able to learn a bit from us. Thank you guys so much for staying tuned. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell for more. Some more weekly content is going to come out here pretty soon as the offseason starts to ramp up again. We say we'll be back. Joe, thank you so much for stepping in. And again, make sure you guys go to the uh, Fireside Bears podcast, where Joe is a weekly, as well as we say it and Sam. And thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful night. All right, y'all. So we know that this was a longer episode than you guys are traditionally used to, but I just wanted to kind of go ahead and give you guys the entire scoop because I know y'all are looking for just more and more NFL draft coverage with the main events of the NFL offseason just a week away. Before we get out of here, listen, make sure you're following Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow myself on Twitter at Usaid Kosho. Follow Sam Stevenson on Twitter at Shy Sports Sam. A huge shout out to Max Smith as well as Joe Hur for taking time out to do that sleepers slash overhyped draft prospects episode that's on our youtube channel too you can follow them on twitter at joseph Herf nfl and at max smith esn make sure you're leaving a five-star review and rating on the podcast give our youtube channels a subscription to thumbs up to all the videos your support really means a lot keep it locked in right here bear fans because we're gonna have a lot over the next couple weeks here especially over the next i want to say week or so we're gonna have a live mock draft on thursday that's we're gonna go ahead and post just giving you live reactions we're gonna have another video with myself and max breaking down the nfl draft next week we'll have all four of us on the weekly podcast for a premier nfl draft preview so until then guys keep it locked in right here bear down stay safe have a great week we'll catch you guys next time